Welcome to another episode of the All Y'all Podcast presented by Holiday Lanes. I'm Sarah Bear, And I'm Chris J. A celebrity encounter is usually brief. You say hi, take a photo, tell the celeb how much you love their work, and say bye. But every now and again, the celebrity encounter can leave a profound impact on the way we view celebrity and its benefits. Tom Ayers, one of the storytellers from our June 2015 live storytelling event, Brush With Fame, had an encounter that taught him that sometimes we have more in common with celebrities than we may think. This episode, like every All Y'all podcast and live event, is brought to you by our season sponsor, Holiday Lanes. If you're listening to this podcast as it goes live in May of 2016, Holiday Lanes is currently enrolling teams in a sanctioned nine-week-long summer bowling league for adult youth teams. League bowling will take place June 2nd to July 28th. If you're looking for something fun to do with a young person in your life, this league would be a rad way to spend some time together. Visit BowlHolidayLanes.com for info on how to sign up. You've got to sign up by June 1st, so get on it. We're also sponsored by MacCentric, the only locally owned Apple premium service provider in town. Now that's a lot of fancy words, so you asked owner Thomas Avalone what it means to have that certification. We're what's called an Apple authorized service provider. So we have a working relationship with with Apple, the technicians that work at MacCentric are what are called Apple certified technicians. Um, so we, we've had that relationship with Apple since 2006, 2007, so almost 10 years. Um, so we're, we, we are authorized to perform work on behalf of Apple, whether it's in warranty or out of warranty service. So if you own a Mac or iPhone or other Apple product and need the best service available, reach out to Thomas and his team on their website, maccentric.net. Without further ado, here's Tom Ayer's story. We've been calling it Trying to Make It Work. Let's see. A little lower? Is that good? Yeah. A little backdrop. I was raised in Connecticut and um, everything's sort of hoity there. My mother had us sitting down there watching the Ed Sullivan show, and when the Beatles came on, my mother stood up and said, I do not know what this world is coming to, and stormed out of the room. <laughs> so that's my recollection of um, the Beatles coming on the Ed Zeltzman show. And also, you'll make me, uh, y'all refer to being raised by Ward and June Cleaver. Um, so what that happens is when you're raised by Ward, Ward and June Cleaver is you do not let anybody feel superior to you. So I would not get let anyone, I would not go up to anyone and get an um, uh, autograph. That would be the last thing I'd want to do. Why would I want to do that? Maybe one exception would be if I had a copy, first edition of To Kill a Mockingbird, and I happened to run into Harper Lee, I might get her autograph. But that's about it. But um, as Chris and Sarah were saying, is my career has taken me over the years working with architects and designers who work um, designing interior spaces and commercial spaces with a heavy concentration on airport terminal development. So I spent a lot of my time in airports. And you run in and see a lot of people in airports. I've seen a lot of celebrities in airports. But this one time, it was about 10 years ago this week that I was sitting in the Miami airport flying back to Atlanta. And I was living in Atlanta at the time. Um, I'm a father of three children, and at the time, my oldest was just finishing up her junior year of high school. The following week, I was going to take her on her first college tour to go take a look at, at some colleges to consider. 
And like any divorced dad, money's tight. I was scared. How was I going to afford this? How, what am I going to do to put this child through college? And then not to say that a year later I had another one, and two years later I had another one going out to college. So like many parents and people are trying to raise their children, it's a scary time when you're going to, where are you going to come up with this money? Anyways, I'm sitting in the airport in Miami, and I happen to get jumped, bumped up to first class on an air trans. And I'm sitting there, but the flight was delayed. Everyone's sitting out in the gate area where you all are now. There was a big aisleway, and I'm sitting in a four-seat bench up against the window. I have my briefcase open. I'm doing my work. I had some extra time because the flight was delayed. All of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see this person running. And for those of you over 35, 40, this will the irony will not be lost. Running, and he stops. And I make a comment like, the flight's delayed, you didn't have to run. And he drops down in the chair next to me, the whole bench shakes, and I look over, and it's O.J. Simpson. <laughs> so O.J. Simpson running through the airport. I did not see him leap over any chairs or anything. And for those of you who don't know, he was the spokesman for Hertz Rent-A-Car, and he was running through the airport. That was a big, big commercial back in the 70s, early 70s. Um, so I'm sitting there, and like I said, I'm playing it cool. I'm not going to say, oh, my God, look who you are. So I'm just sitting there. Oh, the flight's delayed about 20 minutes. You didn't have, to, um, didn't have to rush. So he sits down, and he is sweating profusely and everything. He's like oh, catching his breath, puts his garment bag down on the floor in front of us. And people over in the crowd, they're all looking, looking around, making comments. People are taking, this is before cell phone cameras. Um, that some people might have had them, but people are taking out their cameras and taking pictures. And... They started, people started walking by, asking for them to take their picture with him. So he asked, he goes, would you take our picture? So I'd stand up and I'd take three, four people's pictures with OJ. And then this one couple walked by and this guy stops. Little guy, I never forgot why we looked. He's like pointing at him. And he goes, you are, and he points and says a different name that's not OJ Simpson. <laughs> and I'm like going, oh geez, what's gonna happen here? Um, so, O.J. gets up, he takes, stands there, I take their picture, and as they walk away, O.J. was a very nice, cordial person, and he said, you never correct someone when they make a mistake. It only embarrasses them and embarrasses yourself. And I thought, That's, what a kind, gentle person that was. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he goes by, and um, a few moments later, he says, do you mind if um, you watch my bag while I use the restroom? So I said, okay. So he walks down the restroom, and so I did what any other blue-blooded gay man would do. I called my mother. <laughs> and so I call up, and, I, and there's, there's mom, June Cleaver, sitting up in Connecticut, probably with her afghan on her, on her lap, with her cup of tea, watching her afternoon program. And I call, I said, hi, mom, I'm at the Miami airport flying home to Atlanta. And guess who asked me to watch their bag? And she goes, Tommy, you know you're not supposed to watch a stranger's bag. <laughs> so in a, in a, I go, O.J. Simpson. In a heartbeat, she goes, check it for knives. <laughs> June Cleaver was not June Cleaver that afternoon. <laughs> so O.J. comes back. I hang up the phone. I'm still acting kind of cool. Throw away, put my laptop into my briefcase and they start boarding. Well, since I got upgraded to first class, I'm gonna get on the first class so I can get the free drinks, the free upgraded food while all the common folk enter on the airplane. <laughs> and I get on and I'm in the aisle seat, the back row of first class on the left. 
seat next to me is empty. People come and buy, I'm having my snack, I'm having my soda pop, and it's almost empty. I mean, the plane's almost full, and people are coming on, and I see OJ coming down the aisle, and it becomes apparent that he is going to be sitting next to me on the flight. So as I stand up to let him in, and this is where you get those, as you'd heard before, those narrowing moments where the voice gets narrower and narrower, and you wish you could suck what you're saying, come back in your mouth. I get up to let OJ in next to me, and I say, are you stalking me? I think about 60 eyeballs were looking at me, <laughs> like, going, oh no, oh no. Well, again, he's a very gracious man, and he realized at the time that I really stepped in it. So he just says, move in, I'll take the aisle seat. So I move in. Now I'm trapped. <laughs> um, so we start having conversation, and um, we take off, and he tells me why he's flying up to Atlanta, because he's going to be... He says, it's really hard for me to get work nowadays. Um, again, this is 2005, and he goes, and I started talking about my children, and that next week I'm taking Cassidy over to, um, to visit Georgia Southern, where she ended up going to school. And I said, I really hope that she chooses a state school. I really cannot afford private schools for three kids for the next 10, 12 years. And he goes, I know, he goes, um, my, uh, what's his daughter's name? Sydney. He goes, Sydney is about the same age, and she's looking at going to Boston University, which he ended up doing, but he goes, I really want to go to Florida State. He goes, I too can't afford to go send her off to college like that. And he goes, they all, then he mentioned, he, he mentioned Nicole by first name. He goes, the children have Nicole's inheritance from her life insurance. He goes, but there's nothing else there. So we started talking about this and, he, and trying to save money for your kids, and we're just two dads talking about our children. And you know, as he started talking about it, he says, like, I'm flying up to Atlanta. They've sent, paid for my ticket. They're putting me up in a hotel. I'll get dinner tonight, and tomorrow I am going to be on the radio doing a TV, a radio commercial for a friend's fried chicken restaurant to make a few hundred bucks. So we talked a little bit, and then he fell asleep. So he's leaning next to me. I would say his head's on my shoulder, but it really wasn't. It was right here. And I'm looking at him, and I'm sort of like trying to do this get this vibe, was he guilty, is he not guilty? Uh, so I'm kind of like in my zen moment seeing the trial of the century, I'm gonna figure it out. Um, and so I'm sitting there looking at him and I couldn't get anything else, but there's a man just like me as a father trying to make his way in the world today. Thank you. Since Tom met OJ on that flight, a lot's changed. All of his children have college degrees, and his youngest graduated this month from Georgia Tech. And now, Tom is embarking on his own journey, returning to school to pursue a new career. We caught up with Tom recently, and he brought us up to speed on changes in his career and in his life. Well, yes, you're right. It's been just shy of a year since we told the story. And at the time that I met OJ on the airplane from Miami to Atlanta, I was returning from a business trip. And that week, I was taking my oldest daughter to visit her first college. She's the oldest of my three children. And the timing is just coincidental that this next week I am traveling back to Atlanta to attend the graduation of my youngest child who is graduating from Georgia Tech University. And I might add, I learned today that she has graduating with highest honors. So I'm very proud. But when I, that trip from Miami to Atlanta, when I was sitting next to OJ, I was concerned 
and this is what OJ and I talked about, was concerned about how we were going to pay for college, all these things ahead of us. His oldest daughter, I believe her name is Sydney, was the same age as my daughter, and she wanted to go to a private school, and OJ and I were, we were talking like some fears that we had, and parents all have fears of how they're going to make sure that they supply their children with what to fulfill the dreams that the parent has, but also not to disappoint their children. At least that's how I view parenthood. Um, I'm a divorced father. So this daughter who's graduating next week was only in kindergarten when um, I left the marriage. And at the time, when see, I, had, I was supporting this child through the marriage and her mother was very, we were both very active parents, it seemed like such a distant future when she was going to be graduating. Here we are. We all survived. I didn't know how we were going to survive, um, but we all did it and did it successfully. Everything worked out. That's all I could say is everything worked out. And I would say this to any other parent of young children and is chill. Just chill. It's, it's, do the right thing. Be integral. Um, and allow your children to, to grow. Allow them to take the risks and let them see that you make mistakes and you will continue to make mistakes and that you didn't have the answers when they're growing up. You know, we all grew up thinking our parents knew everything. They were the, they were just people trying to make it work. What does it feel like now that you've put, you've successfully put these kids through school? They're having their own successes and now you've got the bandwidth in some way to look at your own life and say, what, what do I want it to be like? What is, what is that feeling like? I stopped the corporate world as far as working for a profit, working for success in that way, and I want to do altruistic things. I want to give back. And in a way, I wish I had done that 40 years ago, but you can't live regrets because who would know if I had gotten here if I hadn't had that mind, that, that experience. So everything is in its time and its place. And so right now, I'm more concerned about not my own successes. My focus right now is on the elderly. And that was from my own experience. Since the time I met OJ, my, both my parents have gotten ill and died on their own, their own course. And we had to rely on some help. And that's the, that's the career I'm taking. I've learned something from my parents in the process of dying. And that's how I hope to continue my life right now is giving into that, into the geriatric and the end of life um, world. Kind of lets me prepare for the next, I'm 58, so let's say 30 years uh, at least <laughs> of my life. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. We've just announced details for our next live storytelling event happening on July 16th. The theme is I Fought the Law. We're currently seeking six storytellers for the evening, so if you or someone you know has a story about civil disobedience, questionable decision-making, crime, or just the struggle for justice, we need to hear from you. Visit allyallblog.com to share your story or to buy tickets to the event, which will be held on Saturday, July 16th, 2016 at the Anderson Auditorium on the campus of Centenary College of Louisiana. Thanks for listening to another episode of the All Y'all Podcast. If you'd like to keep up with what we're doing with All Y'all, follow us on Twitter at All Y'all Podcast or on the web at allyallblog.com. Thanks, y'all.